Well, three weeks from today, we begin our revival, which is, we're calling it Surrender. It's kind of the theme for those, those days. Dr. Gary Hollingsworth will be our preacher three weeks from today on Sunday morning. He is the, the state executive director for South Carolina Baptist Convention. He'll be here Sunday morning. Dave Shorter, my brother, uh, will be here that Sunday night. Uh, by the way, he's bringing his whole church, not only that Sunday night, but also for the rest of the revival, his church will be joining our church. And then Dr. John Avant will be here on Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Dr. Avant is a, is a popular author. He's also the president of Life Action Ministries. Life Action Ministries is a national ministry focused on helping prepare our nation for revival, and he is the president of that. So he's going to be here Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. So it's going to be an incredible time together. But the question I want to ask today is simply this, what is revival and how does it start? Depending on your background, the word revival may carry some baggage with it. I understand that. It might sound for some of you an old-fashioned concept. You, when you hear the word revival, for some of you, you think of a big tent, a loud preacher, and maybe a sawdust trail. Perhaps for others, you, you think of an annual series of meetings. Maybe the church you grew up in, you had a series of meetings every year in the spring or every year in the fall or sometimes both in the spring and the fall. Or maybe you remember a season of spiritual fervor. You remember a time in your life where God did a special work in your life when you think of the word revival. All of those things may be present in times of revival, but they don't adequately really get to the heart of what true revival is. You see... Revival is not an event you can put on the calendar. The word revive means to bring back to life again. Revival is what happens when God's people, whether individually or corporately, are restored to a right relationship with Him. That's what revival is, when God's people are restored to a right relationship with Him. You see, revival is a supernatural work of God. It's not something we can manufacture. It's not something we can package. I wish it was. I wish it was that easy. I wish we could just manufacture it, plan it, prepare it, and it's there. But in times of personal or corporate revival, God's people will experience His presence and His power in a way that perhaps they've never experienced before or perhaps they never even thought possible. Stephen Olford put it this way. He said, Revival is that strange and sovereign work of God in which he visits his own people, restoring, reanimating, and releasing them into the fullness of his blessings. Now, do you know why? Do you know why God wants you to experience revival? Do you know why God wants our church to experience revival? The reason God wants us to have revival is because he loves you and He knows that you can't experience what He has planned for you, perhaps, in the state that you're in. God perhaps has some blessings for you that you couldn't even imagine. He has some plans for you that are beyond your imagination. He has it all written, something He wants to do through your life, but in your present condition, you're not usable. You're not blessable. So I want to ask you a series of questions today. Are you tired of playing the good Christian? Are you overloaded and worn out with church activities? Do you sometimes feel like you're kind of going through the motions? Do you sometimes find yourself running on the empty spiritually? If you answer yes to any of those questions, it might be that God is calling you to something deeper. It might be that God is calling you to something better. Maybe you're ready to prepare for revival. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks, counting today 
We're going to be talking about how do we prepare for revival? What is it that we do to get ready for it? We recognize it's an act of God. We recognize only God can bring it about. But what can we do to prepare for what God might want to do? So today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about surrendering to the authority of God's Word. I want you to hear my heart. I want you to hear it well. You and I will never experience revival unless we respond to, submit to the authority of what God says. That when we respond to and submit to the authority of what God says, then we open the door to what God can do in our lives. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to open the Bible to 2 Chronicles 34. 2 Chronicles 34. If you can't find that, it's in the Old Testament. If you find Psalms, go left about five books, and you'll find the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. I'm going to be reading selective verses in this chapter. Second Chronicles 34, beginning in verse 1, Josiah, this is the story of what Josiah did. In fact, in your Bible, it may say Josiah's reforms at the top of chapter 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. Under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down, and he cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles, the idols, and the images. These he broke to pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Skip down to verse 8. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, and Maziah, the, the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Jehoaz, the recorder, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. So he wanted to repair the temple of God. And while they were preparing or repairing the temple of God, something special happened. Verse 14. Skip down to verse 14. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. And he gave it to Shaphan. And then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and workers. And then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. And look carefully what happens when the king heard the words of the law. Perhaps hearing these words for the very first time, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. Skip down to verse 29 for sake of time. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and he went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. And the king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. 
Then he had everyone in Jerusalem, and Benjamin pledged themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he had all, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. Well, there's several things that we could talk about today. I'm going to give you three of them. We could talk about regarding revival and how to prepare for it. What does it look like and how does it come about when we're preparing for God to do something in our midst? And here's the first thing I want you to write down. Revival begins with a new awareness of God's expectations for our lives. I'll say that again. Revival begins with a new awareness of God's expectations for our lives. As we look at this chapter 34, the, the background is quite interesting. As, you, as the chapter opens, Josiah, we find out, is king of Judah. But the interesting thing in verse 1 is how old he is when he becomes king of Judah. Somebody tell me, how old was he? Does that strike anybody as strange? Have you got an eight-year-old son or an eight-year-old grandson? Anybody? All right, some of you do. Can you imagine him being king, not just of the neighborhood, but of all of Judah? I mean, it's just mind-boggling that somebody could start out as king at that age, but because of his family line, he was the next in line, and he became king of Judah at eight years old. I'm sure that he had mentors. I'm sure that he had guardians. I'm sure that he had people train him and help him along the way, but, but he starts out being king at, at eight years old. But then in verse 3, something significant happens in his life. Look what it says. In the eighth year of his reign... now now. Help me do the math. If he's eight years old when he becomes king, and if, if he's in the eighth year of his reign, how old is he? Sixteen. So something significant happened to him in his teenage years. You know, that's true today as well, isn't it? That's one of the reasons we have a student ministry is because we believe significant decisions can be made in teenage years. In his teenage years, when he was 16 years old, here's what happened. Something very, very significant He began to seek God. Look what it says in verse 3. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. So he began to be a God follower. He began to seek the God of his father, David. And he began to find out what it means to serve the Lord and obey the Lord. And and so he did that for several years. And when he becomes 20 years old, Verse 3, he does something else. In the twelfth year, that is when he's 20, because he started out when he was 8. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of, of high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. So, at 16, he starts following God. When he becomes 20, he begins, he begins to realize that, you know, as a follower of God, he shouldn't have all these idols in his land. All these things that people are bowing down to. And, and I saw that in, in both Indonesia and in Vietnam. In both places, I saw people literally bowing down and praying to idols. Something's been happening for thousands of years. And when he looked around and he saw people bowing down and praying to idols, he recognized that the idols were nothing, that the idols were man-made, and that they really need to have their attention on the God who made man. And, and so he, as a 20-year-old, he takes the lead, and he has all of those images destroyed. Then, then in verse 8, he takes another step. Look at verse 8. 
in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, so now he's 26, in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, to purify the land and the temple, he sent all of these people, and he says he sends them to repair the temple of the Lord his God. So he's taking another another step. Everybody look up here. At at 16, what what does he do at, at age 16? Starts to follow the Lord. And then four years later, at the age of 20, what does he do? Destroys the idols. Thank you. He destroys the idols in the land, at least some of them. And then six years later, at age 26, he decides, you know what? We need a place to worship this God. And so he decides to repair the temple of the Lord. It had been in disrepair for many, many years. They needed a place to worship this God. And so he, he dedicates himself and the finances to repair this temple. So if we were to look at this, uh, this guy named Josiah, in today's terminology, we would say that is a fine young man. Started following the Lord when he was 16, when he was 20, uh, cleared at least some of the land of idols. At 26, he had the audacity to feel like he could finance and, and to lead the re- repair of the temple. I mean, this is a wonderful, godly young man. But one day, as the repair of that temple was taking place, they found something. You know what they found? They found a copy of God's Word. It's called a book in this text. More than likely, it wasn't a book like we would call this a book. It's probably a scroll. But in the midst of that cleaning and rebuilding the temple, they found something that had been discarded, found something that had been left behind. They found something that that had been abandoned. It was the scroll, the book of the law, probably the first five books of the Old Testament, the books that Moses wrote. They found it somewhere in the temple. And eventually it makes its way to the king. And he hears the word of God probably for the first time in his life. It's quite interesting to think about. When they unrolled the scroll, when they opened the book, they begin to read from the word of God. And when he hears what God expected and how God wanted them to live, all of a sudden the Bible says he tore his robe which was a sign of great grief. It was a sign of great mourning. It was a sign of great repentance. When he heard God's word, he recognized how far short he had fallen of God's expectations. That yes, as a 16-year-old, he started following God. And as a 20-year-old, he started wiping the land out of idols. And as a 26-year-old, he had the desire to worship God and restore the temple. But when somebody actually read him the word of God, he recognized, I'm not nearly as good as I thought I was. And he became filled with grief and he became overwhelmed with the thought, the agony of his remorse. Look in verse 18. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In verse 18. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. Verse 19. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. And without fanfare, For Josiah, this is where revival, the door to revival began to open. A new awareness of God's expectations for his life. 
a new understanding of what God wanted in his life, and suddenly the door is open for revival. How, how does that happen? How does the door to revival open? How do we prepare ourselves so that we can experience what God wants to do? Well, here's what you need to understand. When you and I suddenly decide that we are going to live under the authority of God's Word like Josiah did, that's when, see if this makes sense to you, that's when suddenly you are blessable by God. Now when the book has not been opened, when the book has not been read, when the book is covered in dust and we haven't really obeyed it, when the book is not being followed, when, when we come to church but we're not living by what God says, you're, you're not blessable. You're not, in, you're not positioning yourself for God to work in your life and through your life. You're just going through the motions. You're just doing church. You're just doing the religious thing. But it's when you open this book and you read this book and suddenly the book convicts you and the book changes you and it changes the way you start living. It changes the way you start thinking. Then, my friend, that's when the door is open opened for revival, that's when God can do a special work in your life. And that's what happened to Josiah. You see, only the Word of God can give us a new awareness of God's expectations for our lives. Only the Word of God can convict us of our laziness. Only the Word of God can convict us of our lack of commitment. Only the Word of God can convict us if we have bitterness in our heart. Only the Word of God can convict us if, if we have an unconcern for the lost. It is when we come in contact with the Word of God that the God of this Word begins to work in our life. So if and when revival comes, it will begin with a new awareness of God's expectations for us. Number two, write this down. Revival leads to a new and deeper commitment to God. Remember now, it begins with a new awareness of God's expectations, but revival leads to a new and a deeper commitment to God. Look in verse 31, uh, back in, in uh, chapter 34. Look at verse 31. The king stood by his pillars and underlying this, renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord. Renewed the covenant to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, regulations, and decrees with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. When he discovered what God said and he put himself under the authority of what God said, suddenly he wanted to renew his covenant, his commitment to the Lord. He suddenly declared, I'm going to start living by this. I'm going to start letting this be the, the authority in my life. I'm going to start responding to what God says. This was not a shallow experience. It was not a, a surface commitment. Josiah stood before his people, and he stood before the Lord, and he, he declared, I'm renewing my covenant. I want you to know that, and I'm going to live by what God says. I'm going to let this be the authority in my life. And he made a commitment that day, and the Bible says he made it with all of his heart and with all of his soul that he'd perform the words of the covenant which are written in the book. In other words, Josiah was saying this, If God says it, I'll do it. And I want to tell you something. The door of revival is open wider when you declare, if God said it, I'll do it. You know, when people declare, Pastor, I, I just don't want to play church anymore. 
Uh, Pastor, I, I, you know, I come to church, I go to church, I do the Christian thing. I just don't want to play church anymore. I need something more than that. I agree with you. And the place that you find something more is when you declare, if God said it, I'll do it. You know what our, what our problem is in the church in America today, in my estimation? We are so full of cultural Christianity. You know what I mean by cultural Christianity? You grow up in, you grow up in church, you... you I hate to use this term, but you're, you're, you're born a Christian. At least in your mindset, you're born a Christian. And, and you go to church because you're in the South, and that's what Southern people do. And we're good people, and we have Christian morals, and we have the right Christian beliefs. And it's, it's, it's a Christian society. And we have some, in some schools, we have Christian teachers. And we just have this Christian culture. We're cultural Christians. And I'm not saying that, I mean, that, that's, that's good in a way. But here's what you need to understand. That may or may not make you a Christian. Let me tell you what a real Christian is. A real Christian is someone who, is, who has decided that they believe in and are going to follow Jesus Christ. And they want to live their life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're not living your life as a f- devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you need to ask yourself, have I ever really been converted? Have I ever really been born again? Because it's not about I come to church a certain amount of time or I, I do certain things. It's You don't grow up Christian. You decide that you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and you're going to live for Jesus. And that, my friend, is a Christian. And friend, I want to tell you something. When we decide that we're going to renew our covenant, it will be simply because of what we read in this book. And as we read this book, and it convicts us, and as a follower of Jesus Christ, if we're going to follow Him, we may have to change some things. When we do that, the door for revival begins to open. Here's the third thing, number three. Revival results in a lasting commitment. I told you how it begins. Awareness of God's expectations. It leads to a new and deeper commitment, but revival results in a lasting commitment. See, two things happened after revival broke out and the people made their commitment to God. First, Josiah immediately removed those things that did not honor God. It says in verse 33, Josiah removed, this time I want you to look for this word, all. Not some, as he did previously. But this time in verse 33, Josiah removed, you might want to underline or circle that word, all. This time he removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. And look at this. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their forefathers. It says in verse 33, he removed all the detestable idols. It's an interesting Hebrew word. It literally means disgusting abhorring. And if you read in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Kings 23, you'll read about the disgusting, abhorring things that had slipped and seeped into the kingdom of Judah. And it was remarkable that, that he had let all of these things seep into his life. But as you start to live by this book, everybody look up here, as you start to live by this look, by this book, you'll start to understand, oh my goodness. What have I let happen to my life? Oh my goodness, how did I let that happen to my marriage? Oh my goodness, how did I think that was okay? You see, when you start to live by this book, and 
or live again by this book, you began to see the places where you compromised. You began to understand the places where you kind of walked away from God's leading. So Josiah immediately removed those things that didn't honor God. And it might be that if, if you're going to open the door for God to send revival to your life or to our church, it might be that you'll have to remove some things from your life too. It might be that you'll have to remove some things from your home. It might be that you'll have to remove some things that do not honor God. If there's, if there's anything that stands between you and your relationship with the Lord, then you need to get rid of it. If it does not honor Him, you need to get rid of it. If it's a hindrance between you and your relationship with the Lord, if you'll get rid of it, then you're opening the door for God to send revival. Notice the second thing that happened. When, when revival broke out, the people made a commitment that continued for the rest of their life. It says, as long as he lived, as long as Josiah lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their fathers. We, we, we've all seen people make emotional commitments. We've all seen people come to the altar and they cry and they have crocodile tears and two weeks later they're gone. There's no real change. There was no real commitment. It was an emotional experience. We, perhaps you've experienced that yourself. We, we all know what that's like. But also seeing people who made a, a decision and made a commitment and it lasts for the rest of their lives. When you made a commitment that's real, it will be a commitment that's lasting. When you make a commitment that changes you, it'll be a commitment that changes you for years to come. Some people, their commitments are kind of like their paycheck. It's here today and gone tomorrow. You just, they're just not living out what they said they were going to do. But here's what I'm going to close with. I'm just about out of time. Here's what I want to close with. Leonard Ravenhill said this, As long as we're content to live without revival, we will. As long as we're content to live without revival, we will. But when you get to the point where you say, God, I'm tired of playing church, and God, I'm tired of uh, just being tired, and I'm, I'm running on this will and I, I just don't feel like I just feel empty inside and, and God I'm just going through the motions and God it just doesn't even feel real anymore when you get tired of being a cultural Christian then you can decide it's time for me to surrender and the place where that starts I believe is right here open the book tomorrow open the book tonight start reading it and start saying how can I obey what he says and if you'll have this hunger, if you'll have this thirst, not just to read it, but to, how can I obey? What does God want to change? What does God want me to stop? What does God want me to do? And if you have this hunger and this desire to say, this is what I'm going to do. God, you show me and I'll do it. God, you show me and I'll do it. And as you do that, you're simply opening the door. Say, God, I need revival. And God can send it. Now, let me close by giving you two things, two assignments. Here's the first assignment. Number one, and it's connected to what we're talking about. Where is one of the places where people study the Bible the most in our church? It's in Bible study, right? Does that make sense to anybody? BSF. So could I ask you to do this? Could I ask you between now and October the 15th, would you contact every person on your class roll and invite them to revival beginning on October 15th? Some of you are going to say, Preach, I don't even know half of those people. Well, it's time to get to know them. It's time to call them. It's just, just say, hey, my name's Keith Short. I don't know who you are, but I want to invite you to revival. 
Don't tell them your key's shorter. You tell them whoever you are, all right? <laughs> it's time to call them. It's time to invite them. You say, well, I don't have their number. Well, call us. We'll give you the number. We'll give you the address. If you can't call them, send them a handwritten letter and say, would you please, 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 please come to Revival on October 15th? Invite everybody in your BSF class to Revival that Sunday morning, to Sunday school to, or to BSF that Sunday morning, and let's start the Revival services strong. Invite everybody in your class. And listen, if your teacher doesn't say something about it next Sunday, raise your hand. Say, you remember what the pastor said? And if your teacher says, I don't care what the pastor says, then you take up the mantle and you do it. All right? Somebody lead the way in that class. Contact every person in your class. Please, please. That's my first challenge. Second challenge is this. We're going to give you as you leave, or it's going to be available at the tent as you leave today, little invite cards that, that look like that. It's going to be a great way for you just to hand it to somebody. Say, hey, we're having some special services in our church, and we want you to come and give them that invite card, okay? Just get one or two as you're leaving, uh, and if you use those, then you can come back and get another one or two. Just, we just don't want you to take a handful and not use them. So just get one or two, go by the tent on your way out, and, and invite people to those services, okay? I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to pray very specifically this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want, you to, I want you to think about this question as we prepare to pray. The question is this. Am I willing to do what God shows me in His Word? Am I willing to do what God shows me in His Word? If there's a willingness in your heart, and, a, and if you read the Word of God, say, God, just speak to me. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to know. Show me where you want me to change. That's where revival starts. That's the, that's the seedbed for God to do a work in your life when you begin to seriously apply the Word He's written. Then you are positioning yourself for him to do an incredible, divine, supernatural work. So maybe that's where you start. Say, God, I just want to live your word. And I've gotten into a habit of just listening to the preacher. Gotten into a habit of maybe just sometimes reading, but, but not really doing anything with it. God, I've kind of gotten into a habit, habit of just going through the motions of my devotions. Maybe it's time to stop that and say, God, I want to live this book. That would be a good place for you to start this week. God, I want to live this book. Then start reading it and respond to what he shows you. That'll be our first step in preparing for divine work of God. Hey, as we have this invitation, some of you need to come today to join our church. We invite you to do that. You've been through Discover Mount Airy. You can come today to join our church. Others of you... Maybe you don't even know what it means to have a relationship with God, but you'd like to talk to somebody about that. We're here to help you with that as well. Or maybe you just want to come and get on the altar and begin to pray for revival. Perhaps revival in your life or revival in our church. And you just really want to pray about that. We invite you to do that as well. Father, thank you for loving us just the way we are, but also for loving us enough to tell us where we need to change. You did that for Josiah as he came in contact with your word. It changed his perspective and it changed his life. Pray that as we come in contact with your word this week, it will do that as well. I ask that in Christ's name. Amen.